I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into the lesson. There's more room, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to come over in the corner a little more. Um, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for who you are, Lord, for just taking care of us and, and sacrificing so much for, for people who, as we look at us, ourselves, we don't deserve it, and we have a hard time staying away from the things that you tell us not to do, Lord. I know in my life you've, you've given me so many so many chances and, and so much mercy that I know I don't deserve, Lord, but it's, it's incredible to see that, that it's not about me, it's about what you do. It's about how faithful you are and your grace, Lord. Lord, help us all here to, to realize how important it is that we stay away from darkness, how important it is that we stay in the light that, that you brought us, Lord. Thank you so much for your son who came and showed us how to do that. It's him. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so I got the, the class on dealing with temptation. And the reason is because I'm a sinner. And I know you're looking at me and thinking, oh, okay, we're all, we're all sinners. Um, let me tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Ben. And uh, I'm a recovering porn addict, a recovering... Gamer, liar, prideful person, selfish person, and I think one of the worst hypocrites that I know. And the reason I say why recovering is because I'm still dealing with it. I've been dealing with it for many years, and I've, I think it's in the last probably 10 years that I've really been able to to really have some, some victories and really work on things with myself. Uh, I've had to go through Celebrate Recovery uh, to deal with my addictions. Um, I went through a class called Healing is a Choice. They actually had me teach it later because I had it so many times that you know, I knew, probably knew what I was talking about after a while. Uh, but it deals with dealing with your past. Um, how many people here have been through healings? I know it's a confidential class, so you don't have to raise your arm or not, but how many people in the class? Right, so, yeah, you've been through, through it a lot. Some of you probably have been through it more than once. But it's about dealing with hard things. How many of you like the class? I know, right? No arms up, right? Usually you hate me at the end of the class if you took it with me. Uh, and another class that I took, and this was at the Crossings Church in Winsville, was the game plan. And the game plan is for people who are dealing with sexual addiction. And it's a 30-day plan to, to get past it. Um, I, I think in my life I got, got pulled into darkness in the, like really early. I think we, we all do, but I was a preacher's kid. And the reason I'm saying I got pulled into darkness is because as a preacher's kid, it's harder to sin I don't know if you're a preacher's kid. Actually, a missionary's kid. Those are even worse. Um, it's more... It's not that it's harder to sin. It's like you're not supposed to sin. Right? Because you're the, the preacher's kid, and you should know better. And I remember people thinking that they couldn't have a relationship with me. I was I was born and raised in Brazil. My parents were missionaries there. That they couldn't have a relationship with me because I was different. I mean, I was my, my parents were from here, from here, and I was the perfect guy who didn't have sins and, you know, didn't have any problems. And I didn't know about this. I heard about this later, and it made me feel so sad because people didn't really know me. And the truth was that I was in darkness because I didn't know anybody and nobody knew me. 
And they didn't know that I was probably one of the biggest sinners that I knew about at the time. Um, and there's a, there's a passage, uh, it's in Psalms uh, 107. And I'm going to read 4 and 5 and then 10 and 11. And you might have heard this before. And it says, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. And the part you might have heard of before, it's this one that says, Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. And you're sitting in darkness because sin <coughs> sin is evil and it's dark. And it's... And it doesn't bring the things that you think it's going to bring you. You think it's going to be this thing that you're going to go after your desires and, and, and you're going to get what you want, but in the end, it's slavery. You're enslaved. You think that thing that you think you can control, you can never control it. You end up being a slave to it. And that's what I was. And I want to tell you a little bit about a time in my life, like it's probably one of the hardest times that I've ever been through. Uh, where I was sitting in darkness in my apartment. And some of you know my story, and I call it the pink eye story. And I know it sounds kind of gross, but let me tell you a little more about it. I was, at the time, a, a small group leader at my church. And while I was a small group leader and, and telling people what they should do and out of the Bible and things that were happening, I, for a year, was having sex with my girlfriend. And nobody, nobody knew about it because I am a very good liar, as I said, as because I was addicted to porn and, you know, and, and doing those things, even in my dad's house, who was the preacher, uh, I'm a very good liar. I'm very good at hiding things. And I learned that because I had to hide them. And because I wasn't up front, a relationship with somebody that I expected to be somebody I would be married to someday became something that I destroyed because I couldn't control myself, because I was in darkness for, for so long, and I thought I could live in there and actually make things work, but it doesn't work. And what I did was just go on with life, and I'd play games, I'd look at porn, I'd watch movies, I'd buy things, anything that could keep me from thinking about myself. And when you numb yourself, you become this empty person. And I remember, and I really think this was, this was God. <laughs> um, I remember getting pink eye, and it was this viral pink eye that was that was contagious. And my doctor said you have to stay one week at home, and with nobody there. So my friends, who like I shared an apartment with, he went somewhere else, and I stayed there for for a week. And the strange thing is, it's I couldn't see very well. So I couldn't use the computer. I couldn't watch TV. So the things that my addictions and things that I used, I couldn't do. That seems like a very cruel thing, but it changed my life. To be all by myself with my thoughts and dealing with who I was. Because as I say, I was the worst hypocrite I knew of. Like I could do all these things and lie to people and it seemed like I didn't care. But the truth was that as I sat in darkness, I cared, but I was numbing myself so that I didn't think about it. And in that week, I had to think about who Ben was and what he was doing. 
And in the middle of that, I, I decided, because I knew I, I knew I wanted to be close to God, and I knew that the Bible was the truth. But sitting there and knowing who I was, I decided that I didn't want to go on with this. And I, my decision was to end my life, was to commit suicide. And I started thinking of ways that I was going to do it. And the more, the more that I thought about it, that because I didn't want to go on without God, and I, I got to the point where I was almost going, I believe, to kill myself. And I kept one thing was in my mind that I couldn't stop thinking about was that Christ died for me as I was a sinner. That Christ had had made this sacrifice for people that, that had problems like mine. And I knew if there was one person that would accept me, it was him, regardless of what I had been through. I couldn't get this thought out of my head that Christ died for me. And he died because of who he is. And I started thinking about that, and I decided that if I'm ready to give my life up, I'm going to give my life to Him. And that's where I started changing. And I remember falling to my knees, and this there was a lot of crying going on during that week, and, and I fell on my knees, and I, I decided that, that I don't want to, there is a way out. That there is something that I needed to do. And I was, at that moment, since I was ready to, to, to commit suicide, I was ready to do anything to be back with the one that I was supposed to, to be back with, with God and what, what He wanted me to do. In, in James 1, 13 through 15, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And I kept thinking on this passage about temptation, that why would somebody be accusing God of tempting them? Have you ever done that? Some of you probably have, and you can admit that you've, that you've done that, right? But it sounds wrong to say that. Because it's God. God doesn't tempt anybody. Right? This is all from evil. This is Satan who, who does these things. And, and a lot of times we just give ourselves into these things. Because we're so so into darkness. So we want to blame something else. I think, well, one of the things is we can't blame God. I think we can't blame God for giving us a choice. Because that's what he does. He gives us a choice of whether doing one thing or the other. Can you blame him for the freedom that you want? Which I think sometimes is overrated because in my life, the freedom I had, I used to do horrible things that destroyed other people's lives, that that was about lying and, and things that I hated myself for. That's what my freedom brought. We may want to blame others for what we've been put through. And I, I did. I blame my dad. We always blame our dads, right? It seems like mom gets away with it like a lot of times, but right? We blame I blame my dad, right? He should have known, he should have helped me, he should have done this or that. But the problem with that is that victims don't change. 
When you're a victim, you don't do anything about it because you live in being a victim. And nothing changes. So you can't blame others in the middle of this thinking about temptation. One we may want to blame is Satan, right? And you're saying, you're thinking, yeah, we can blame Satan because he's bad. But instead of blaming, we need to fight against Satan when we're being tempted. So blame has to, we, we kind of have to get it out of the picture and, and stop blaming and trying to find who's, whose fault is this? Why am I like this? Have you thought, I've always thought, why am I like this? And I'm going to find why I'm like this. The reason is, the reason Ben is like this is because he's a sinner. And I made a choice to go to do this or that. I had the choice. I knew it. I was a missionary's kid. I knew all about these things. But I made a decision. In 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 12 through, through 13, part of 13, it says, So if you, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You know this passage, right? It says that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. The, we're all in the same boat. That's what he's saying. It's all the same for us. You know, if you think you're standing firm, right, get off your high horse and, and face reality. That you can fall just as much as anybody else. And sometimes in my life, I thought I was the guy. You know, the guy that's going <laughs> to... Those people have those problems, right? I don't have those things. So what I want to talk to you about are three different things. So three things that we need to do if we're going to stay out of darkness. And the first thing we need to do is we need to accept who we are. We need to accept who we are. And let me explain that a little bit. I put a, in parentheses also to acknowledge who we are and what we've done. And this is, this is very important when you're dealing with addiction. I think it's very important when you're dealing with sin in general. It's to understand how flawed we are, how weak we are. Because if we don't do that, we're going to fall in the same hole again and again and again. What is the first step of um, the AA? You know, the 12-step programs, right? It's what's, right? We have to admit we were powerless over our addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. Easy, right? How easy is that to do? It's not easy at all. In our pride, we want to think that we can do it. We even think that we're not even addicted. That I can control this and get out of it whenever I want. I don't know if that's you or if you've, you've been in that boat, but I was one of those. Ben, he's strong. He can do these things, right? I'm not a slave to those, to those things. Those other people are, but not me. And the problem is that when we don't admit, we stay in it and stay in it. And we destroy not only our lives, but other people around us. And if we don't destroy it, we keep them from knowing God. That was me. As a small leader trying to help people was something that I couldn't help myself with. In Romans 7, and I'm not going to read it. Everybody here know Romans 7? It's that crazy passage, right, that Paul is talking, right? I try to do what I what I want to do, but I don't do what I want to do. I do what I don't want to do. And then, you remember that passage? Right? I remember studying the Bible with people. I always try to read it a couple of times. Cause it's like, I know it's crazy. But it is that craziness that's in our lives. And Paul is here. He's admitting that. He's saying he is, he is a, 
He is a wretched person. And you think of Paul, how could you think of Paul like that? Because he did so much for for the, the cause of Christ and, and going out and, and giving his life to that. But Paul over and over and over admitted who he was. He knew who he was and how deep he'd gone. He was a murderer. He was somebody who had this violent streak in him that destroyed people. And the people that God was taking care of it, taking care of. We need to accept who we are. Uh, and healing is a choice, and a lot of you know that I was going to talk about healing is a choice. I probably do this every time. There's one part that talks about embracing your life. And embracing your life is, is admitting that these things that you've done and that you've been through are part of who you are. If you don't, if you don't do that, you're trying to hide it. Because when I started healing as a choice, like I started taking it, I wanted to deal with my past, and you know what I wanted to do with my past? Forget about it. And I wanted to keep it. We're going to deal with these things, and it's all going to be good. I don't have to deal with this stuff anymore. Was anybody there uh, hearing Janice's lesson yes? like when she did her testimony? Right? Janice is one of the people who taught me healing is a choice. And she said, I, I wish that I didn't have to tell the story again and again and again. But she has to say it again and again and again because it's part of who she is. It's part of who she's been, what she's been through. And honestly, it's part of what can probably help other people. But who wants this story of being this, this preacher's kid who was addicted to porn and games? And Right? This is a crappy story. I wish it were different. But I think of the times where I was really able to help people is when I was honest and vulnerable about who I was and who I am and what I've done in the past. Because if I decide to walk away from God, you know what sins I'm going to go into? The same exact ones. They're the same weaknesses that I try to stay away from. And and believe me, it's it's hard. Every day is, is a struggle to, to do this. Some are easy, others are really hard. We need to embrace what we've been through, remembering it, make it part of our story. The way we do that is we surrender to God. Right? We surrender to Him and decide, look, this is what I am, this is what I, I've done, I'm ready to, to give it to you. Let's see if you can do something better with me and I'll, I'll let you control me. That's, that's the surrender. Right? Surrender doesn't sound good, does it? It sounds like losing the war. Well, you lost the war on your own. So you surrender to God so he, because He has the victory already. He has a solution. After we surrender, we can accept correction. We accept other people's wisdom. We accept rebuke. Because we're not trying to be this Ben who's, I'm better than you and I can take care of these things. I had to admit what I have done. And I put the second, the second point in here. So first, first you need, we need to accept who we are. The second one was, is about giving up what is comfortable. If we're going to stay away from darkness, we're going to have to give up what's comfortable. And I know that's a hard thing to say, right? We don't want to do it. And I equate it very closely to repentance. Because what is repentance? Repentance 
change direction, somebody said you're going in this direction, what do you do? The opposite. You do not a 360, right? <laughs> like you did a complete 360. Well, that's a problem. No. You do a complete 180, and you're going the opposite direction. How easy is that? Not easy. This is easy. I know where to go right here, and it happens all the time. My brain's... I don't even need to think about it. I'm doing these things. To do this... There's, I like this example of... Um, when... Have you ever tried to, to put... Put your shoe on the wrong foot. <laughs> Have you heard that example? Right. Put your shoe. How easy is it to walk with the shoe on the wrong foot? It's hard. It's hard, right? That's how it is to repent sometimes. Because it's not going to be easy. We shouldn't expect it to be easy. What happens after a while, though, if you keep walking with the shoe on the wrong foot? It becomes easier, right? It becomes who you are. It's like more comfortable. It's still like kind of hard, but... You go, it's easier to go in that direction with it. I like that example because we don't like to do that because it's uncomfortable. We don't like to go to something that's not natural for me. But I believe that comfort is not good. I, and I like comfort. I like my pillow just the way I like it, right? And my bed at the right firmness, you know, you know how it's right. And somebody was telling me I can't even sleep the first night if I sleep in a different bed, right? Because we are comfortable with things. We like things the way we like it. We like so much sugar in our coffee or this or that, and don't put a little. Right? It's ruined. We like our comforts. The only way that, well, the only way, after after I decided that I wanted to change, I decided that I had to tell the hardest person what I had done. And I was decided to do it. I had to do the hardest thing. Guess who that hardest person was? The preacher of my church where I went to. And he had the same last name as I did because that was my dad. And I sat down with my mom and my dad. And actually with my girlfriend who I had just broken up because she wanted to be in the conversation. I'm like, well, we'll, we'll see how this is going to go, right? And it was one of the most uncomfortable things. And I'm glad that I do it, did it. I was decided, and I told him, I said, I will go in front of the church and say it if you want me to. Because I will do whatever it takes to get back where I needed to be. Remember, I was ready to end my life, right? That darkness was the utter darkness, and it was it was horrible. We need to do the things that are uncomfortable, no matter what. In Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. How easy is that? <laughs> It doesn't sound easy at all. And you have so many other passages where, where Christ is saying, right, the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. You know that thing? Remember that passage where the foxes have their right, their holes where they live? It's it's hard. It's, it's not going to be easy. And I'm sorry that that's... You thought I, I had found out the secret, right? Let's see if this guy knows a little more about it. But the secret is it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to work hard at it and really want it. It's only I, I made so many decisions to to change. You have no idea. Solemn decisions. I even wrote it down. 
write in this paper, write something, make it make it more official. And I was gonna change so many times. Signed it. It never worked. Until I wanted it and I was willing to do whatever it took, it didn't change. We need to make a firm decision to stay away from it, no matter what comforts I have to I have to get rid of. We have to repent. You're going to have to break your pride. And that's the hard part, right? It's breaking our pride. It's, it's saying the truth to somebody, to my dad. I couldn't even look at him. Right? When I'm telling him these things, it's like all under his nose right there. Like. But one thing is true, that being humble is better than being humbled. Right? And the Bible says... If you don't humble yourself, you're going to be humbled. And I think I was humbled when God put me in my in my apartment and there was nothing more. I had to look at myself. And I decided it was better to change. And um, James 5.16, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Right? Have you ever asked somebody to pray pray for something for you? Hey, pray for me. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But just, right? Just pray for me. It's pretty serious, right? Does that work? Nope. Nope. Because it says before here, confess your sins to each other. And then pray about it. And then what happens? Then you're healed. It doesn't work without confessing or without the praying. We have to confess. How easy is it to confess? I don't even need to ask, right? So first, we need to accept who we are. Accept that you're flawed. Accept what you've done. Because the next thing you're going to have to do is going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to talk about it. You're going to have to confess. You're going to have to get people involved. And the third thing that you need to do, and this, I think, has to be the mindset, is that you need to crave the light instead of darkness. Crave the light instead of darkness. Because that's the solution, right? The solution to darkness is? Light. Light. Everybody agree? So how do we how do we get this light? You have to be you have to be really committed. Because it's about craving. Right? Our our temptations, the things that's right, the bad things, we crave them. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about porn and these things that I, that I did, but there's so many other things, right? With our pride, with craving food, with craving so many other things. You know how it is. These are sins. These are things that we need to stay away from. But we need to crave the light instead of craving this darkness. I, I was talking to, to my guys, uh, our small group about um, the neuropathways that you form in your brain. You've heard about these things, right? That you do something so so many times that it gets ingrained, right? And your brain like functions that way, like it connects right right to that thing. Are there any kids in here? Yes. Huh? <laughs> well, sorry about some of the things that you heard already, but uh, but there's there's a story about this this preacher. And I don't know if it was a preacher, but uh, this guy that uh, they had a bunch of kids, 
and they can never be intimate with each other. Let me keep it PG, right? <laughs> they can never be intimate with each other, so they, the only time they could is when they put the kids down to, uh, to watch Barney, right? Have you heard about this? No. And, they'd, and they'd watch Barney, and, you know, it was time to... So every time this guy heard Barney... He'd get excited, right? Not because Barney is exciting anyway, but because he understood, right? That's Barney saw it. So I know it sounds weird, but our brain does these things that you're already wired. You you wired yourself. I wired myself to every night to do terrible things, like clockwork almost. And I was a slave. That's how it was. I think we need to wire ourselves in a different direction. That we crave something else. That we crave what God wants us to do. That we're excited for those things. That's not going to be easy because you're, right? I'm, I'm going to be 40 here in a month, right? And when you're, when you get older, it's, it's harder, right? You can't teach a new dog, right? Old dog, new tricks. I believe you can. I'm hoping, right? Because we, you can't, there you go. <laughs> we need to decide that we're going to crave something that's more important. You remember um, uh, the movie Shawshank Redemption? Yes. Somebody talked about it. In the, and I just, when they talked about it, it just reminded me of one scene in that movie where he's talking about how he got away. And it's Morgan Freeman's voice. That was really cool, right? And it said, but he, had, he went through this pipe. You remember this part? Yeah. And he had to break the pipe and all this stuff came out and it was the... Alright? Alright? Keep a little dung or whatever. Uh, but he had to go through that pipe and he says it was five footballs, football um, fields. fields long, right? Five football fields long of a, pli- of a pipe with the smelliest that he could have thought of. Right? He can't even imagine and I keep thinking when he came out on the other side and remember it was this lightning and all of a sudden like lightning and he does this and he's looking up and he's like, you have to crave light like that, right? That you'll come out of this pipe and no matter what you have to go through, how hard it's going to be, that you're going to find it on the other side. We have to be excited about that. In 1 Corinthians 10, um, verses 12 and 13, and that we've already read part of this. But it says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And then the next part it says, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So we know the part that you can't be tempted more than you can bear. And you think, well, if you're going through it, maybe you can. And God's going to help you in this. But I think a very important thing here is he says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He didn't leave you on your own to do this. It's not like in darkness. In darkness, you are on your own because nobody's there with you. Because you have to deal with your demons all by yourself. With light, he provides a way out if you are in him. He's going to help you to get out. And there are several ways that, that he does this. One way, the way he did it for me was, like I said, I had to do something difficult. I had to move from Brazil 
to the crossings in St. Louis, everybody always asks me, why'd you move to St. Louis? Right? But there was this church that my dad told me about. And they were dealing with stuff, and these people were real. And I was ready to do anything. I sold everything I had in Brazil. It wasn't much. But I sold everything I had, and I moved to the States with people that I never met. Today, they're my family. Right? As close as family. And they know more about me than my family, probably. And I remember sitting, and I always like to talk about this example, because the first day I went to church, I sat um, there, and I was early, because Carrie brought me, Carrie Coxie brought me to the church. And I was waiting there, because he had to be in the, the worship uh, uh, worship practice. And I was just sitting there, and next to me was this little booklet. And I, and I well, it wasn't, I was kind of awkward, right, because I was there. Actually, at the crossings, we, we dress like this for church, right? But I had my best clothes on, and I felt kind of awkward, you know, like dress shoes and stuff. So I was there, and I found this little booklet, and I'm, I read the book, and I started reading it. And there were these testimonies of people from the church, and there were pictures. And part of the ones that I was looking at pictures were in the worship team. And there were these terrible stories about the lives that they had had, about things that they had gone through. This is weird. They're right there, right? They're... Like, this book is right here. This should be hidden, right? You shouldn't be talking about these things in front of everybody. But they were in the light. Their stories were in the light where people could see them. Their friends, their leaders knew what they were about. And because of that, they were able to help them to get out of darkness. When we keep our issues and whatever it is in the darkness, it doesn't see the light of day. And we're talking about light, right? You have to let it out into the light. And after you do, God can do incredible things with it. Because I saw these people they were talking about, they were on the worship team. You don't put those people on the worship team, right? Not in my church in Brazil. But there were people who had gone through it and were helping others to get out of the same darkness that they had been in. God helped me providing people Because I asked him, I needed to be out of this. And he led me there, thousands of miles away. In Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, and you all know this, is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. I don't even know where that is. It's somewhere in there. It judges the thoughts and and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. How are we going to stay out of darkness? We need to be in His Word. We need to be reading, and not reading just as a story or how am I going to help other people with their problems. Reading it so we know about ourselves. So that, it fi- so that as you read, you figure out what is it in there, what are your motives, what keeps you going. Because even though you might be doing the right things, if it's not for the right reasons, it's not the same results. We need to be in His Word because it reveals everything. We need to surrender everything so that we can have a relationship with Him. We had a, as a church, our two churches, because we're, I'm, uh, with a church plant in uh, St. Louis, uh, and then we have the Wentzville Church that planted us there. 
but we were going through this book we called 201. And it's basically, we have 101, which is for new members, so they know what we're about. And then 201 is about maturity. It's about what are the things, disciplines you need to have to reach maturity. And I believe it's with discipline that we're able to stay in the light. That we consistently do the things that are right, that God tells us to do. Remember in the dark, we consistently do the stupid things that, that keep you in the dark. To stay in the light, you're going to have to be disciplined. And there are four things that it talks about. One is reading. If you're not in God's Word, if you don't crave God's Word, as if that's the thing that's going to feed you. Remember when the disciples, there's a Samaritan woman, and the disciples come, and he says, I don't need food, right? right? Because he had the food, and it was what his father told him. We need to crave that as we crave food or anything else, because we know that's our lifeline. We need to pray to God. So our relationship with Him, He knows everything. That we have this connection where we confess to Him also. The the third thing we actually the third thing was giving. Right? And giving is an important thing. We show how much we trust God through our pockets, right? Don't you agree? If you don't, you need to read the Bible, because it talks a lot about money and, and where do you stand with money? But the third, the fourth thing we talked about was fellowship. And fellowship is about being connected to other people. If you're having issues and things are, are going downhill, pay attention to how many people you talk to. That you really, they are your friends that you've confessed, that, you hold, that hold you accountable. If you're really being held accountable of the things that you're going through, it's hard to stay in darkness. Unless you just go, okay, I don't want this anymore. And I've seen people who are struggling, and I'm like, okay, how are you doing at connecting with people? If you're not, it doesn't happen. Uh, Robert always likes to talk about, and I like this example, it reminds me to, to be connected. He said, if this isn't happening, then this isn't happening. If you're not connected to people and to God's family, you're not connected to Him. Because He didn't plan for you to do it on your own. You need people that know every single thing about you. I don't care what it is that, that you're embarrassed about. Tell somebody everything about you and let them come and ask you later, how are you doing with this? If it weren't for guys like Tim Pruitt, who was in Celebrate Recovery, and a lot of you know him, that as a person who was addicted to drugs back in the day, but he helped me because he would come and ask me, so how are you doing? And it wasn't, I couldn't give him a fine. <laughs> you know, that hurt you. I'm doing fine. That wouldn't fly with Tim Pruitt. Right? Because I knew exactly what he was asking me. And I had to tell him, Tim, I felt this week, I, I fell to, to my temptation of pornography. Or I lied, or I did this. Because I had decided that I was going to tell the truth. Chandler was another one, Chris Mullen, and there were several that, that could come in and ask me. Dustin Blevins held my computer for, for I think, two months for me. So I didn't give my computer. I gave my the charger and the battery. He's like, could you hold these two things for me? And he kept it in his, his drawers. So I don't know where it was. That's good. But, but he knew, and so many others knew. We need to keep everything in the light, no matter what it is. Even, I tell some people that we, we talk about in Kansas Joyce, even on your crazy thoughts, 
You know what your crazy thoughts are? Does anybody understand about crazy thoughts? Those that you don't tell anybody that, oh, I can't believe I thought that. You know that? Right? I believe even those you should tell your closest friend. Tell them, look, I, I really thought this the other day. And I know it's really bad. Because I know I've had, I have some ter- terrible thoughts. You know? What's his name that uh, took the Rams away from St. Louis? <laughs> right? I know some of you that like the Rams thought of bad thing. We, we have these violent thoughts and things, right? <laughs> Some of us voice it and some of us don't. Because you're good you're good Christians and you don't say these things. But you think them. Right? And I know it's funny guys, but don't we do that? You know we have those things in our mind. And what happens when we leave it in there in the darkness where nobody knows? Right? It keeps going and we need to confess and talk about things even though we just they're just in our head. In the passage in Psalms, in Psalm 107, uh, 13 through 16, and it was after it said about some sat in darkness and utter darkness. This is what it says next. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. If you don't think that you're good enough, and I'm not saying you're good enough, but you're worth it to God. And he has the power to get you away from those things, no matter how deep you've gone. I hope it doesn't go as deep sometimes for people where they do in their life. I was very close to that. But I still believe that God was with me and wanted me to change. And that's why I couldn't forget about his son. In 1 John, um, starting in chapter 1, 5 through 10, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, right? And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Go back to that passage. If you're if you're struggling with temptation and things, it says exactly what we need to do. Right? Before it says that he, Christ is going to purify it, it says we have fellowship with one another. You have a connection with other people. It doesn't happen in any other way. And if you think I just don't have anybody, I mean, if you're part of a church, you have people. If nobody will listen, pray to God that he, that he provide a way. I Believe me, he does provide. I am proof. <laughs> I believe that the Ethiopian eunuch who was 1,300 miles away prayed to God, and I don't know if, if where he was in Ethiopia that he knew that there was, who this God was, but he was searching for something. And 1,300 miles away, this guy did whatever it took. And because of that, he found God. 
We don't have excuses. God wants to listen if we're decided to do it. The last passage I want to read is in Hebrews 4. And this was this is the continuation of that passage that talks about that his word is like a double-edged sword right? that goes through the marrow and everything. And it seems like a harsh passage. It's like, man, it's going to cut me. And you tell people you're going to be cut. Right? Because that's what a sword does. It cuts. But it cuts like a surgeon in a good way. Continuation of that passage in verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firm, firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I don't know, I don't know where you are with your with your sin, and with being in darkness, and and with dealing with temptation. But I hope you're honest with yourself that that you know that you're weak, that you know that that you need to accept who you are. I hope you're honest that it's not going to be easy, that you're going to need to do some hard things. And I hope you're honest that you're going to have to start doing things like reading your Bible, praying, and having fellowship with others so that you can crave that spiritual food. But wherever you are, we have one who came here, who was in the comfort of wherever he was, who decided to come here and go through these difficult things hard things. And I'm not even talking about a sacrifice. I'm talking about just walking the earth and having people reject him, try to kill him. And the people who should know, the right, the religious people, they were the ones he had to fight against the most. But one that came and was tempted just like we are, and he understands what you've been through. He understood what I went through, even though he didn't sin. But he knows how hard it is. And he doesn't look at you and go, then I can't believe that you did it again. I believe he looked looked at me with love and at that moment wanted me to decide to get out of that. And just loved me. And he does that for every one of you. He loves us in a way that's 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 crazy that we don't understand. Why would he sacrifice and on the cross and going through all that torture for me? I was ready to end my life because I didn't think I was worth it. I hated myself. But even as I hated myself, He loved me. And because He did, my life is different today. And the reason they put me here to talk about this is because I'm a weak person. I have to be watched. Please watch me. Don't leave me alone in these things. I need people. Just as every one of you needs other people that are going to hold you accountable and help you get out of darkness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for just everybody that's here today. And I know that everybody struggles with with temptations, Lord. We know that even as, as your son was walking the earth, that he went through it and he was able to to tell to tell Satan that 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 your word has everything we need to show him that, that temptation can be fought. 
and that we can remain clean, Lord. Help everyone here to, to have that hope and that confidence that they know that there is one that, that gave everything for them. And because of that, it's worth it. Because the life that you call us to live in light is is incredibly, incredibly different. And, and it doesn't even compare to the dark darkness, Lord. I know that the times that I've lived in darkness and, and chose to do what was wrong, that it was all about myself. And as and the more I did it, the more I hated myself. But you loved me, and you showed me a different way. Thank you so much for the people that you put in my in my path that have helped me, Lord. And I hope that everyone here, if they're suffering in this, if they're in darkness, that they're able to find people. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.